You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Welcome back to another Critical Commentary Podcast uh, here on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Also recording today with my special guest host from uh, Treaty 8 territory, uh, I'd love to welcome to the show Channing Stenhouse, my very dear childhood best friend and fellow Archie nerd. Thanks for the invitation, Ryan. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, thank- I'm so glad you could um, jump in while, uh, while Chloe's away. Um, and... Channing's the other person besides Chloe who I text about Riverdale, um, so it's it's just really really a handy convenient time that she was able to jump in with us. Um, yeah, Channing and I grew up together in the same tiny little backwater, so uh, we can probably both rip into what Riverdale calls a small town. And um, yeah, is a musician, uh, artist, teacher, and uh, currently a library director. Uh, so welcome on the show. Let's um, let's jump into the orgy episode. <laughs> yes, I was uh, I was definitely pleased to to realize that I was invited to join you. Pinch hit for uh, for the key party. Who knew that was coming up? So. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Yep. You know I I didn't even clock until I, I like I only watched the preview a few days ago too. It's like oh this will be interesting and. Been watching the episode this morning. This will be. This is a real interesting. Um, what's especially interesting about this to me is the absurdity. You and I know exactly how absurd holding an orgy with just your high school friends seven years down the line would be. Would be yes. <laughs> don't quite don't quite know how that uh, is, but yeah, absolutely would know how ridiculous that would be. Uh, especially yep. with, especially when you've already got um, some former trysts involved in there as well. Um, so yeah, so much drama, so much <laughs> history. Uh, it's not it's not that that isn't an, un, an unreasonable Cheryl Blossom idea. It's that everyone showed up. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, to be honest, part of what uh, surprised me was that she thought it was going to really be. Uh, when she when she talked about it from the point of it being an introduced chaos, I mean, uh, in right. this in this age of consent um, and in, informed and enthusiastic consent, really, um, it really does seem kind of archaic that it was even really thought of as a chaos plot. I mean, you guys are in your your mid twenties at this point, so you can do what you want to do, right? Like it it. I actually thought that was a little bit strange, just that it was it was intended to cause such chaos. That's a good point. And, like, how things played out, um, weirdly in the back half of the episode, I felt really pleased with the conversations that they chose to put on on mainstream TV about relationships, communication, uh, open monogamous and non-monogamous uh, relationships. Just, just the conflicts they pulled out there are like, hey, you're using late 20-something-year-old characters, interestingly. Um, it's a neat thesis of sort of what they're what they're going to delve into with um with character dynamics with this time jump and i feel like it's the first time that i've seen uh i've been this intrigued about the the time jump bringing things up to a, a contemporary place like um as as weird as everything was this episode um also weirdly the 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 relationship shenanigans felt a lot more 
accurate to what I see around me in my community than the high school shenanigans. Right. Like, right. That was a neat detail. Uh, uh, yeah, twist or surprise. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, I guess like it also to me, I thought it, um, the fact that it was Cheryl that was introducing this as the the chaos scene or the, the supposed, you know, the intended chaos scene, um, I thought it also really helped to show how she is a character who is locked in her past and that she hasn't right. maybe had that same development that the other characters seem to have already undergone, you know, and I think that that, um, the fact that she's been in, uh, you know, on her family's estate, apparently, this whole time, or that that's, that we really don't have any, any more than that backstory at the moment, that that really just showed her lack of growth. Uh, I felt like that was a really good way of highlighting, um, the, the difference between their different experiences. I mean, Betty and Archie, you know, very ready to, to move on to, um, you know, no strings attached if they want. Um, really, none of the characters, all of the characters seem to be ready to, to move beyond, you know, um, these, these high school um, tropes that they were playing before. But Cheryl seems to be clinging to something in the past, and, and I really felt like that was well highlighted by this... Uh, this key party. That's a really excellent point. Um, yeah, because she's she's situated in uh, perhaps the most hyperbolic, you know, introduction standing in a lot of ways, uh, locked in her mansion for seven years. Um, seeing in an episode that also um, plays with uh, a re more empathetic depictions of substance abuse and trauma reactions um and and sort of some of the things they introduced with betty and jughead both um it was it's interesting to see uh to look at that hyperbole that goofy plot line uh but then look for those emotional underlayers um and then for the show to deliver mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah um I, I've been dying for more Kevin plotline, but baby, not like this. <laughs> oh, I, you're you're on you're on this team then. I mean, I don't I don't know what team I'm on. I I have been fond of Kevin of the past, and then they just gave him apparently a world win eight year romance vaguely in the sidelines in the background, and I never quite got it. But okay, I'll take it. Um, but. This is this is definitely not how I I wanted or expected them to bring Kevin into the foreground of the plot. <laughs> right. And it does oh, it yeah. does seem like a, a like a plausible story though. Um it does. It it feels I mean, I hate it because it does feel like a really really plausible and realistic depiction of a lot of gay relationships in my demographic. Uh these are these are really frequent conversations whether or not uh, whether or not someone opens up their relationship or or tries anything non non traditional, queer folks end up having I think convert conversations about all of the options uh, quite readily or uh, quite quickly. We delve we'll delve into the the whole laundry list of things that um, need to be explicitly stated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know I think it's it's. 
this is another really great opportunity, like you said, for them to bring uh, awareness to these sorts of discussions. Um, once again, like this, this whole episode, uh, I think it really does, it shows the, the characters that are locked, you know, locked in former ideals of, uh, ideas around the, uh, how sex is taboo and, and, and it be cause chaos and then, you know, just goes right into those, those consensual conversations, um, you know, the converse, like, even just the, you know, alluding to the conversations that would have had to happen with, uh, with Tony and Fangs and, uh, and Kevin to, you know, I mean, goodness, they're having a baby. Um, you know, there are some big conversations that have happened there. And even this, this, uh, this plot twist, you know, really, it's just an, it's an adult conversation. And yeah, it sounds like, you know, there's some changes in, um, you know, maybe what the agreement was going to be going forward, but they're still having these adult conversations in adult ways. And, you know, what a great, what a great thing to see, uh, really from like my favorite trashy show. (laughs) It's really quite nice to see something, um, you know, just these conversations happening. It's unexpected emotional maturities. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, I feel like I'm ready to jump in and uh, start commenting on the fly. I, we haven't touched all on Betty's plot line, but uh, I, I don't feel like I have any big preamble there. That's very in, in action moment this episode. Um, did you have any other thoughts uh, or pre, pre-episode, post-episode general thoughts before we um, sync up and watch along? You know, I think the only other thing that I want to mention is I'm, I'm very suspicious of Minerva. And, oh, yeah. And mostly, 100%. yeah, it's just bringing me back to, you know, the good old, uh, good old days of, of reading, you know, the Archie double digests and the like, and knowing um, Minerva's connection to Evelyn Evernever uh, in oh, the, in the originals, right? I didn't right? even clock that. Yeah, well, uh, Minerva, I believe, is Evelyn Evernever's doll in uh in the original little archie right, series right. and so just with that connection i've been very curious to see where that is leading um and uh it's been take it's been going in directions that i wasn't expecting but i'm still curious with uh with cheryl being that sort of uh chaos character the the character who enjoys creating this chaos um, yep. I'm still quite quite curious to see where this is going to take us. Minerva, I, Evelyn is still alive, isn't she? Out of all of the baddies, she's one of the very few who, in theory, was in jail seven years ago. That's right. So we don't know if she's still in jail. We don't know if she's out. You know, I we don't even know if she I hadn't even stuck that together. But that that holds a whole, puts a whole new. Um, shade on Minerva in general that okay um whether or not it means anything because like look where Fangs has come look where Fangs began and look where Fangs has come true true and we did kind of get you know those uh, uh we did have them talking about uh the uh jinx uh you know a little while back and I was wondering where they were going to run with that and and that just seems to have been completely dropped off the radar um, but, uh, yeah, you never know. It's just knowing that these characters have a connection in the original comics, um, just makes me more curious to see, you know, if, there, if any of those connections are going to continue to play out in the Riverdale series. Yeah. If nothing else, 
we can safely assume that the the showrunners are aware of those connections and playing them for straight or contrast or whatever they've chosen. Like there's there's intentionality. There has to be. Yeah. That I mean the amount of other things that they're just on top of in broad references, let alone arch just the Archie references. But um yeah. Okay, I think I'm uh with that I'm ready to jump in. Uh got your Netflix loaded up. And uh folks DVR and or recording of any any uh purview that you choose. Three, two, one, play. I kind of hate this new Warner Brothers sound. I, I immediately, when I heard it the first time, I was searching to see, you know, was there a change of hands? What's happened? This is not what I was expecting. So I don't Something like it either. Wrong. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, I'm at that age where if you change the grocery store on me, I'm mad, right? You can't change the, <laughs> the sound before my show and expect not to... Not to have some yeah. pushback. So, I'm amused by the the aged up cruising in the woods, properly implying that someone had a blowjob here. Like there's, it's some, it's, it's, it was so goofily metaphoric seven years ago, but now it's clear it's it's much more explicit, <laughs> and I find that interesting. In the updating of all of our characters and updating where Kevin's at. Um, it almost, it kind of amuses me that, yeah, yeah, casual sex with strangers, that's been his, that's been his, um, how he's done it for a while. Like, it's, uh, um, exploring that as a reasonable option and choice. Right. For him going into his late 20s, old 30s, that, um nothing necessarily needs to change except you're if you're getting married and you don't want to and have issues you need to talk to your fiance with that needs to change but. absolutely yeah which is really great to see those conversations coming forward mhm so jughead i was not expecting us to dive this deep into uh, substance use trauma and flashbacks. Um, I, I guess I was, I wasn't actually expecting all that much to have happened to Jughead in the last seven years, which is in retrospect, quite silly of me. Right, right. Well, and I know so far he's talked about that, that past seven years and, you know, his time in New York. Um, but, you know, if, if this is something that is repressed and we're blocking it out, we don't actually know when this could be from. I mean, we know that, that Jughead mm. suffered from homelessness uh, for quite some time. So, you know, right. we could be looking at something even further back that we, we just don't know about yet. Um, That's a very fair point. It really struck me in the last in the last high school episode, the um, the synergy of of meeting Jughead in this place of transience and we we ended with him back in very much the same place of be being between people and lives and places and homes and families and uh yeah that's that's a really good point that there's there's no reason to assume we're through all of his stuff from the past yet just because the old show Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah, we haven't seen we haven't seen that yet and so it's 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 nice to see him trying to uh trying to, to connect with others about some of that. Hopefully he gets to continue. Mm -hmm. I'm also 
more pleased than I expected to be. I expected to be very, very concerned and cautious, th con cautious throughout. But um, the the depictions of these murders and this very real systemic problem of women uh, and especially women working in the sex work, vanishing along highways, and just unexpectedly, like I feel like Majin Amic is really anchoring this strongly as well for me that plot mm -hmm. yeah well i mean knowing that we have uh, our own highway of tears and the like in so many places uh across mm. across our homes it's, it's very easy to to connect with that plot line um mm -hmm. yeah i'm uh i'm i'm actually a little bit surprised though to see uh Betty uh, being able to like not that you know obviously she's she's very affected by this but she's participating in other plots as well uh, and not so all consumed by uh, by this one thing that's in her life even even though it's that yeah. escape with with Archie it's still um, you know it's still beyond uh, the the single minded focus that she had with uh, mm. when other things were ongoing with the. Uh, um, well, with the many other serial killers we've seen in Riverdale. Even the last time or two Polly was missing. Like, mm -hmm. that's a really excellent point that Betty is um, developing a level of, of competence and maturity that feels reflective of dealing with serial killers professionally and training for it. Um, the The... Very differently, um, you know, she's always been a pra pragmatic, practical character, but it struck me this episode that she has leaned so hard into the assumption that Polly is dead in a way that also feels like a change from high school Betty. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very, um, it's, well, it's very pessimistic, but also some, you know, she, she does explain that it is also the realistic assumption. Mm hmm. Yeah, it comes from a fair place. Um, I wasn't expecting this this Veronica and Archie to flare back up. Certainly not so quickly. But here we are. What do you think? <laughs> you know, um, I think again, like I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I've always been a, a secret Barchi fan. Really, really hoping that that would happen. And uh, I'm happy to have seen it happen. But there was there was there's never been any doubt in my mind that this was this was going to come to be again. Uh, Archie yeah. and Veronica, that's, that's just, uh, they've seemed like endgame since the beginning, you know, it's, they've, they've certainly been built that way. And I, I, if anything, like, like you said, I think I've likewise was a little bit surprised to see Chad tossed aside quite so quickly. Um, yes, that's just some narrative speed. Yeah, he um, just hasn't caused any real drama yet, but that doesn't mean that yeah. he's done with things, right? So... Um, maybe we'll see some more of him yet. Um, what do you think? What do you think? Um, I don't care about him on screen, and I feel like that's a little bit intentional as well. I don't think he's going to be a big deal, honestly. At least not yet. Or if he does, I don't feel like he'll be the, the origin of, of the problems. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we also blew right past this wild pregnancy announcement. Um, which, again... In, on first watch, uh, threw me for a loop, but upon reflection, is actually far more reflective of the community and world around me, and how people I know negotiate families and lives. Um, again, unexpectedly pleased with 
what is being represented on on mainstream television. Absolutely. I I agree. You know, it was great to see and you know really not not at all surprising. Um I think what I was concerned about though, I will say is is like uh, like we're discussing right now that um Tony has mm-hmm. a condition that says that she can't get pregnant when she gets older. I'm not going to lie, I did have a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction to that just because mm-hmm. I've heard I already know that there are so many women who carry that fear that they're not going to be able to get pregnant when they get older. And so they rush into things when they're young. And, you know, just to see that that old trope being played out again, I didn't think that that was necessary. You know, they could have just been having these adult conversations and making these choices without the 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 medical need to rush to things um you know and just again you know having seen that many many times you know um it, it was a little frustrating especially when you know that like they'll talk about like oh you know your 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 chances of getting pregnant you know at this you know when you turn 35 or whatever are going to drop by or the complications are going to go up they're going to double but like the complications are really like it goes from 0.5% to 1%, right? Um, yeah. So I was just it's, a little... It's, it's looped and tied to this pressure that already exists on on women. Yeah, um, so it was yeah. uncomfortable to see them bring that up. And, and uh, you know, whether like, of course, that's something that many women do go through, um, is, is mm-hmm. a difficulty to get pregnant or have, you know, feeling the need to rush. But I, I certainly hope that people watching this don't, you know run with that too much and, and, and know that there is so much available to to women as they're growing older. There's, you know, take your time. Mm-hmm. That's a really excellent point regarding Tony's life choices. And um, this show does have a, a bit of a history of being fast and loose with medical conditions doing what they need them to narratively. Like thinking of Hiram's medical condition, question mark, question mark. Right. Whatever that might have been. Um just, yeah, thinking of patterns of things Riverdale still does sloppy sometimes. Um, perhaps more in contrast because of things they are doing well representationally this episode and this season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah. that's the uh, the catch-22 of succeeding, is is you're, you open up a dozen more ways to criticize your own work. <laughs> it's great. It's necessary. But it's... Slightly exhausting for creators, I imagine. Really pleased to see Jughead just straight up engaging with support networks with minimal fuss. Yeah, I mean, it took seeing an alien to do it, but if that's what does it for you, (laughs) go for it. I mean, Mothman, alien, whatever. I mean, if we're if we're going the full mental health route, we can clock this as two full visual hallucinations and one blackout. That's you know that's less that's less than most people have by the time they're getting help. This is true. That's very very much true. Now that we've seen on screen, anyway. Apparently, I was also really delighted, actually, uh, in terms of representation, to see. Jughead intoxicated at this party being shown from outside of his perspective. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I don't think we get that very often. Certainly not played as the awkward and challenging social dynamic it 
is in reality when someone is unexpectedly too wasted at the start of a party. That's that's a real thing. Yeah, well, and what a great what a great way that they followed that through with, you know, um, getting someone to take him home responsibly, tuck him into bed or on the couch. And, you know, really, that's just another great example of the way things should be and not always the way that things go when someone is is drunk at a party, right? Like, especially when you're talking about something like a key party where consent is key, you know, consent can't be given if you're drunk. So it was just, yeah, a lovely way to see them respond to this. Now here, I have to say, like, uh, this scene that we're looking at right now, the, uh, the reno, I, I yep. know that, like, we're, 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 we're supposed to be critiquing, you know, the show itself, but are they, like, are they plastering over exposed brick? <laughs> is that, is That's that... exactly what they're doing. Ah! That's exactly what they're up to right now. <laughs> that irreversible hard to maintain decision of putting drywall plaster over exposed brick. No! That seems to be the deal. <laughs> I know that's not what we should be talking about right now, but there was a part of me that just died a little watching that happen. Um, you know, just, just put up some drywall so you don't have to plat, like just cover it. Don't, don't smother it. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> this is what the home renos. I mean, there must... I mean, someone knows what they're doing building these sets. I wonder who made that call. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess you do you, boo, but it just, it kind of hurt knowing how much uh, people invest in that and trying to restore it eventually, and yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I have been pleased, but also like meeting expectations with the the level of tension and dynamic playing out between Tony and Cheryl. Like I'm I'm just accepting that they are a romantic endgame target and I'm accepting the rom-com convention of they're going to wiggle around every which way to get there. But there's something that feels very safe about their plot to me. And that might be putting too much faith in the show but um i feel like they've really made a commitment to that to that couple at this point to at least showing something something good in that relationship yeah maybe i still feel like some of it is just really showing how cheryl hasn't progressed um you know to me she she's she really seems to be the high school friend who who never moved on um, you know, holding on to those, like, even this party, this party, though, you know, maybe a little bit more, um, avant-garde than the, the parties of yore, as she says, you know, with the, the spin the bottle, taking it up to the next level with the keys, it still feels like, like, like it's really helping to show she's just not moving on. I'm not sure that it is a commitment to the couple, um, so much as it is just showing that she's not, uh, not changed. I guess I think uh, the the commitment I'm I'm mentioning is something I feel like throughout the time jump I feel like we've we've given so much focus to Tony and Sh and Cheryl as sort of these parallel parts of a story. Uh, but yeah. uh, but I, I agree within within this episode. Um, the more the more you say it, the more I see all of the um, the aspects of Cheryl's Tony that are. Uh, of Cheryl's Tony, of Cheryl's story, that are um, reflecting that that sadness. 
Yeah, just a nice little Freudian slip there, of course, eh? <laughs> I, it's, I, I liked the chemistry of these two performers, I will say, with Barchi. Like, like, I agree with you on the classic comic book endgame. Betty is by far the, the best outcome my question is always, is is Archie going to be a person who is worthy of Betty Cooper in the comic books more than anything? Right, but he he never, it's, it. I think we always hoped that it was going to be, you know, reading the comic books growing up, I think you always hoped that it was going to be Betty, just because you can so much more easily identify with being the girl next door or coming from, you know, a background similar to Betty's. Oh. And so it, it's it's such an easy thing, but at the same time, it always seemed clear that it was always going to be Veronica. Um, and this, you know, they're just, they're just teasing us in the same way that the Archie comics always did. Um, right. <laughs> it feels Except they very can actually familiar. sleep together on screen because seven year time jump. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that. I don't, I don't think, I don't think the, the tropes, of the show are pointing us towards a Barchi endgame either. Um, I am pleased with the relationship they are building between those characters, though. Yeah. Yeah, especially if this does, you know, turn out to be um, a case where, um, where, where Betty really is okay. So again, going back to that, like, who has mm. grown and who hasn't, right? Like, if we remember, yeah. you know, when Betty first t- told Archie about her, her crush way back when, and then she's like, yeah, I'm fine, we're just going to be friends. And then, you know, right. I can't remember the like next that. episode. Shortly yeah. there, she's breaking down, right? <laughs> like, she's not okay. So at this mm. point, if we can see her actually move on, then I think it's just going to help to show to highlight that contrast between... Um, between Cheryl and the rest of her friends who are growing up, who are grown-ups at this point. Right. Um, I really appreciated that that Betty and Archie came to the same directional conclusion independently, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't a point of conflict, that it it, it built their relationship in a way that felt stronger and closer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And here we have very pragmatic Betty, um, more so than we've seen. Um, and really, del- I am surprised by this twist for Imagine Amic, but I do feel like they, like, specifically gave her a lot to chew on in that emotional storyline. Like, mm-hmm. that, that feels like a, a commitment to that actor. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, it's a... <sighs> I'm really curious to see what comes out with Polly, though. Um, mm-hmm. This was not the turn I was expecting things to take. Likewise, we're we're stepping into territory that might be um, more CSI than than naturalistic tragedy, which might be safer for something like Riverdale. Like we've we've spent a lot of time with the emotions already. Right, right. Well, and it's not like, have we ever had, have we had a season of Riverdale without a mystery yet? Or two? Um, you know, we No. No. Yeah. So, so this is, uh... The aliens. <laughs> Remember that alien body that still existed, that I forgot the whole way through this episode, the alien body, they phys- both physically saw it, there was an alien body in, in maple syrup, 
that was a thing. Yeah. Outside of all the trauma. So curious. Um, did you're, that, you're right. Did that alien body look like the alien bodies that we're seeing now? Uh, it, yeah, I could. I think so. The big head. They they have the Martian gray head. Yeah. I think I think the design could be aligned with what Jughead is seeing, um, which also fills aligns with you know he could be filling that in in trauma flashbacks somehow. But where did the syrup body go? Did that, Jughead destroy it? That's that's a mystery. Yeah, <laughs> there was a syrup body is worth remembering, but whether or not that was alien is you know another question, of course, right? Uh, and it, it's not yes. like it's not like um, Jughead and Tabitha are the only two people who know about mm-hmm. the body. Uh, Nana Rose delivered the body or had the body delivered, right? So uh, yeah. there are other people who are aware yeah. who could have who could have kidnapped this body. This could this plot could still be rooted on Earth. Could still be human. What other secrets does Nana Rose have hidden in some barrels? I love what they've done with Nana Rose and who they've let her become. Um, and Jughead's making deep and meaningful confessions. Surprising me in in the sort of straightforwardness that we're talking about using party drugs and some consequences physiologically mm-hmm. when you when you overdo that. Yeah, they're just plastering r- smooth and right over. It it really does hurt me just a little bit. Um, not that I know what I'm doing, but I I know there has to be another way. Like there has to be a better way to do this. Um, I, yep. But I mean, hey, if if we're looking at like really truly cementing a relationship metaphorically, and and letting us watch, you know, this cannot be undone. <laughs> you know, there it is. Fair point. Yeah. To be blunt and heavy. But it's also a terrible, terrible mistake. So what's that say? Well, but they're smoothing over the cracks, right? Like maybe yeah. maybe there's there's something are, in this picture. They're plastering the cracks over with frail plaster. <laughs> yeah, frail plaster that would be one heck of a, a job to undo, so <laughs> Truly, this is probably a camera person was like, okay, this is the right angle for the light. You do something construction-y in that frame. <laughs> <laughs> more, more likely than all of these metaphors, but this episode's <laughs> been delivering in its potential subtext, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. I was not really expecting them to flirt back together, but it felt kind of easy which yeah. is also neat in reflecting adult relationships that sometimes things just sort of flow yes and so here's where i have to confess i did get worried because at a key party <laughs> if you come as if you come as a couple you really only need to to drop one set of keys so <laughs> seeing jughead and tabitha <laughs> drop both i started to wonder Wait. if there was going to be a plot uh, a, an issue with their plot, but uh, they fix it, you know, fishing out the key, her keys later. Um, they chose not to accelerate that romance any further than Tabitha's pacing. Which is great. I like that they're letting him appear as, as an interest only at Tabitha pacing. Okay, Kevin has a little little self-reflective awareness, and this is good. I wish 
I knew anything else about his life before before this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we're I feel like we're dropped into the 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 cold water splash of his most dramatic moments with very little warm up. Yeah, well, you know, and I also wish, like, I mean, not that we know his motivation completely just yet, but I feel like maybe I maybe I miss maybe I miss something, but I don't think he actually said that. You know, his he he wants to continue to explore his own sexuality um, in yes. his confession to in his heart to heart with Betty. Um, yeah. You know, and if, if that is the case, it would be nice for that to just be out there as a a valid reason why you might not be ready to to move on. Mm-hmm. I am I am interested to see how it plays out because in this episode they 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 put this very clumsy and very clear like breakdown in communications playing out between this couple and we see we see conflict come from that breakdown but there's nothing to indicate that that this should be an end to their relationship like, there's nothing, if Aang says it himself, you know, yes, let's get married and be open if that's what you want as well. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how they negotiate that conversation going forward, coming out of the conflict. And, like, if it's, if the, where the conflict will, will remain. Mm-hmm. Is it the miscommunication or is there a deeper thing? You know, I think I just caught a line that I, I maybe missed the first time through. Um, that Cheryl, mm-hmm. did she just say that, you know, this coming together tonight is a rejection of death? Um, S- did something I just, like that. Yeah, that just <laughs> makes me wonder if we're not going to... No, I'm trying to think if we could get a, pre- a, a pregnancy out of here. You know, the opposite of death, I guess, is the creation, right? Um, I missed that the first time through. I wonder if there's anything to that. Um, Minerva seems to be the only potentially fertile person who follows up. Perhaps, yeah, maybe that's that it. would be that would be a, a weird trope to throw at Cheryl. Your girlfriends keep getting pregnant. <laughs> well, Tony's not her girlfriend, right? So yes, your love interests. Yeah, your love interests. Awkward look, Betty, but no real drama. Even when they're, they they all say the right things at disclosure at the points they need to, and there's no real drama, except for Chad, who doesn't fit here, and who I have felt looks a little too young from the beginning. Like, he looks like who I would have matched Ronica up without a time jump. Okay, okay, okay. You know, there's, there's something, there's something about how his character is presented and introduced that I'm, I'm just not surprised that they're jumping to divorce so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. I can see where you, you think he, he... Well, he behaves very immaturely, right? It's not... Um, he doesn't yeah. seem to have the but depth. But gives foil for Archie in a really important way. Mm-hmm. I, I love Cheryl's dress here. I do have to say. This is a, mm. a very fun dress. So here we have Jughead. Yeah, this is... This is awkward. And they let it sit and be awkward, which yeah. I appreciated as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, like, it's it's Cheryl who says, I don't care how drunk he is, he has to draw. Um, mm-hmm. This, again, is just, just damn, so, so I keep beating this drum that, yep, she has just not grown up. 
Um, mm. That, yep. I, I, I absolutely see that. This, uh, this pass through. Um, throwing these random side characters, like, entertaining. Sure. I wonder if Minerva ends up being a plot antagonist. I feel like her association with Jackson will come back into play at some point. I've been suspicious. Or it's a complete throwaway. Not either or. <laughs> it is Riverdale. We have to remember that uh, <laughs> as much as everything may carry significance, nothing may carry significance. <laughs> okay, but yeah. if, if in three seasons <laughs> they are standing together at a serial killer altar, I'm gonna, I knew it. <laughs> Quite fair. And not be surprised. This is a delightful tease of Reggie, and it also a delightful representation of a perfectly common and standard sexual exploration in which they find out that Reggie is 100% straight, and everyone's cool with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know... Also delightful. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Kevin here, I'm not sure if he kind of broke the rules. I feel like he was the first person to stare into the bowl and... And, and and pick uh, <laughs> purposefully. Pick the truck keys that you don't recognize. A am I reaching or is Cheryl's dress also pretty middle school? It's young. I, I do enjoy it, but it is it, 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 mm. it, it's the youngest of them all, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Hint, of, hint towards flapper, but not. Mm-hmm. The, the sort of soft pinafore formlessness. Mm -hmm. Tony is aged up very well for me. Um, that might that might be her contrast with Cheryl in, in these scenes as well. But um, they've given Tony quite a bit of material to be mature and adult and in charge of things. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting twist, especially... Um, there is there is quite a public discussion about um, how Tony's character is being being used promotionally versus plotline wise this last summer, and a real public commitment to use her character as as a lead in a way that they've sort of promised for years. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm I, I'm looking, I'm watching with some expectation, I guess, in as Tony gets these sequential a plot lines or these positions and roles that are connecting and unifying for all of the, the other side plots spinning around. Um, like, I feel, I feel like it's a little bit obviously centering her. Maybe, maybe a little bit bluntly, but I'm enjoying it. And I think she's doing fun things with the material she's got. Yeah, me too. Me too. I have to say, though, this whole scene is just... Um... Well, uh, beyond creepy, I mean, I don't think anybody really wants to, to find out that their, their ex has been creating a, a shrine of sorts for <laughs> a child that is not theirs, yeah. Um, and using ours before you've discussed, you know, getting back together, the, yeah, trapping her at Thornwhistle with your two dead brothers, um... I'm delighted they just called that out for as messed up as it was, and we all knew it at the time, that Tony was low-key trapped in the creepy White House. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great to... 
Um, get out of there. <laughs> she got out of there. Yep. Get out of there. Get out. <laughs> uh, as much as I want Tony to be endgame, that's not not problematic, and Cheryl really does need to burn it all down right proper and leave it behind. Mm-hmm. If that's if they're gonna if they're gonna move forward. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a good backdrop, I think, again, like placing them back in the woods. Um, to just come right back to that, you know, meetings in the woods, discussions in the woods. Um, this is well set. Yeah. And I, I really appreciated this, the, the, the random third character, Rick, um, that he politely and awkwardly, but, and respectfully negotiated through that weird situation and didn't make drama and didn't cause problems for no reason. And just sort of like was a person at a weird hookup party. Yep. Figuring it out. Not sure why, not sure why the guy you hook up once in a while just invited you to a pansexual orgy. (laughs) Yeah. Is the vibe I got from him. Not sure what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. Hands off, please. No thanks. (laughs) I think this is my favorite scene, though, of course, because this is how all such of these scenes should play out. The drunk person that you brought home is now kindly crashed on the couch, give them a blanket, um, you know, and then the, the scene that should follow, you know, the, the proper placing of the bucket and the uh, glass of water. But uh, this is <laughs> exactly. how it should go down. <laughs> well yes. done. Yes, and Jughead looked cute in, and vulnerable in that. Like, in a way that I felt like we're with Tabitha's perspective and seeing seeing what her she is seeing in ways that, like, bring their characters together. Yeah. Reggie is 100% straight. <laughs> Again, lovely. That's, that representation, actually that representation and just that that's a thing. That sometimes you hook up and you discover not so much. And that's fine. Yeah. And the, the, the option of having a uh, baby with your friend as a couple of, uh, like, that is a family model. Those are things I would have appreciated casually existing in media when I was younger. They're messy. They're all real messy. But overall, quite an impressive range of of depictions of choices and options this episode. Yeah, yeah. That really is some uh, some real growth. Uh, it, oh. it, you're right. It, it's great to know that there are... Models, you know, you know, I wouldn't think like Riverdale, you know, models for people to 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 look to. I mean, coming from a a show that has had how many serial killers, and uh, you know, when I think of like uh, the scene of uh, these young women uh, kicking Nick St. Clair, you know, you're just yeah. thinking like these, yeah. or Jughead peeling back someone's skin. Like this is not always a show that. Uh, you definitely say, yeah, you know, there's some real great modeling here, but <laughs> definitely in this episode, all this drama does come with a certain amount of, you know, th- these are good things to see. This is, yeah, this is progress. This, this Barchi conversation right here where what they need is just to hash out their friendship and it's all fine. Yeah. I, the, the, um, the complete failure of Cheryl's chaos whirlwind as it like right fails out of the gate with Chad and Veronica leaving and Jughead and, and uh, Tabitha leading again, that, that struck me in the first time, but I think ties again to this theme you've pointed out of, of 
like Cheryl's not evolved. Her strategies are stale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't a good a good strategy. Well, and we'll see. Let's see if this doesn't spur some growth for her character. Um also, you know, thinking about it, it's quite interesting to see Reggie show up at this uh this uh key party, considering, you know, his ties with Hiram and how just how how oh, casual yeah. that was. Like I, I wasn't didn't realize that in the first in the first go around, but it's quite interesting to see him at a party with all these friends, knowing he's such a proponent of the Sodale um initiative. That's a very good point. That's some wild affiliating. Um, given the the guns they were pointing at each other an episode or two ago. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, Cheryl inviting him in the first place echoes our theme. Why is Reggie there? Because he's one of the high school gang. That's true, that's true. Yeah. No one else being weird about it. Yeah. Might just be expedience. Yeah. But yes, that's a very good point. There are... There are some very different type of adult tensions in that room. Much more murdery. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, here again, like, Betty uh, talking about that window. I mean, uh, it's a little on the nose, I guess, to be talking about this window of light in the, in the, in the dark uh, when she has literally looked at his window her entire <laughs> childhood, uh, them growing up side by side. Um, yes. Betty is not subtle with her metaphors, no. as we learned in her her dark Betty explorations. <laughs> Betty is a literalist. But um yeah, I I like I I I was I don't usually find the choice to let's stay let's let's preserve the friendship to feel right and effective and like, it, it made sense, the way Betty framed it and presented um, her choice to me. In a way, I don't usually hear that that reasoning made sense. Partially because I think most um, few shows will let their characters believe it when they're saying that. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, I'm not going to lie, I started at this, uh, at this scene just a smidge. I... Should have seen that one coming, oh, yes. but I, uh, I didn't. That did not scare. <laughs> signs was always... I was just thinking that, yes. Uh, it was the signs, the TV. And I knew uh-huh. it was coming in the TV, but there, there it was. This time, mm-hmm. I don't know, it didn't... I wasn't ready for it. So Minerva is 100% exploiting Cheryl's vulnerability, right? Yeah. yeah yes. Like... Yes, she's she's found an art thief, coerced her into an open-ended um, indenture deal to not arrest her, and is now seducing her after encouraging her to throw an orgy for all her friends. You know, I think, though, this was my, that was my favorite Cheryl scene thus far. Just for the line that, when Cheryl says that she's repulsive, then we finally start to get that, oh, okay, maybe something has changed for Cheryl. Maybe, you know, she's, she's suffering, I mean, not that we, you know, she's, she's working, here she is working on this house very much a la Winchester, but, um, it's, it's the first time that we've actually seen her own some sort of, uh, uh, something's wrong in her character, right? Uh, the Cheryl of high school yeah. would never have called herself 
repulsive. <laughs> she was pretty full of yeah. herself back then, or at least her bravado led, led us to believe. Right. So we we see maybe a a seven year path of some identity de- degradation for Cheryl, rather than you know the growth that we anticipate and expect from a character sent off into the young adult life. And thinking to where we left Sher- young Cheryl um, alone as the only carer for her aging Nana uh, with a social justice crusade that she no longer has her most immediate tie to. And then we hear that she functionally just became a shut-in for seven years. Yeah. Yeah. That tracks. Yeah. So this scene here... It's an interesting direction. Yeah, yeah, this scene here for the kiss, I can't, I, 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 I don't know what, I'm, I'm sure it's just the coloring, but there's something very Superman about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just, uh, again, a little on the nose, but. The cherry reds and the blues, they do ping with Americana, and that fire truck red is so, so distinct. Veronica's a Lois Lane figure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're from fairly, not quite the same era, but the Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and, and Archie comics are not that far off in, in Zeitgeist originally. Well, no, and oh. we've always had, you know, Pure Heart and... Um, oh, yes. All of the... There, there's definitely some cross-pollination there, historically, as well as now. <laughs> oh, and the whole medium of comic books, that also. Yes. <laughs> the, the publishing concept. This was, this, this twist caught me, quite properly, in the plot. Yeah, um, you know, and smart for Betty to ask her, you know, call my cell, but we don't see them on yeah. the cell, uh, so no idea if that actually got to happen, or if they were able to, um... Yeah. Clearly they lost contact at some point. They did, And they yes. don't show us that moment. They also don't show, you know, Alice frantically calling 911, but I guess they've already established the, the pointlessness of police authority in this moment in time in this state. Well, really, uh, that call would only go to Keller at this point, right? Uh, he's a, it's a one-man yep. show at this in, in Riverdale. It, there's a this lot is, of destruction here for just coming and getting picking someone up at a, uh, you know, catching on to someone at the, at a phone booth, which by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just go over the idea of a phone booth. <laughs> I, Assuming I, those still exist, a, they don't. They don't. And when they, they did, don't. that they were just down some gravel road in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, <laughs> seems like a smidge of a stretch just a bit for me that was a fantasy set that was a fantastical sense set and i will give them that one suspension of my disbelief today just the one though um so it it read to me that they just some a vehicle hit the phone booth could be it could be that was that was my guesstimate based on the type of destruction they showed. But at the same time, we ended on sure death arson and then circled back to fire extinguisher by the beginning of next episode. So <laughs> I, I don't trust the cliffhanger anymore. 
Yeah, Riverdale has walked away from a plot at least once or twice before. Um, <laughs> you know, they we had a quarantine. What happened? But you know, and you know, it really feels like that's a thing where, where you're like, oh, it's just completely implausible that we would just you know move on from a quarantine and and like nothing happened. <laughs> And what is life today? <laughs> really? <laughs> like, Riverdale is... It, sometimes it just strikes a chord that hits a little too close to home. Um, <laughs> Even when they really don't know they're doing it. Who, who could have no. known at that time that, uh, yeah, you can have a quarantine, you can have a, a shutdown and, and be over it a week later. And, uh, and... Or at least behave like you are. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so let them walk away from this one if they want. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're all hoping that Polly makes it out of this. Um, yeah. So the whole, the orgy episode was at its heart the least about the orgy. But it was still the orgy episode. It 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 was technically the the key party, right? Like that's not really an orgy, but you know, a subset, <laughs> a subset. Is it? I don't know. Um, I always think orgy that just involves more people. I don't really want to go too into depth with this, but uh, <laughs> you know, two Is it does not or structured. Two does not an orgy make so. Point. Uh, yeah. Point. A swingers party. A swingers party. Least. Yeah. It, it's 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 somebody's version of adventure. So. <laughs> Delightfully, not really all that much of a thing for any of these characters, which I also appreciated. There, no one was blushy about it. No, and everyone was on board with participating, it seems. You know, they all showed up. So, um, yeah. you know, that's forward enough. And, yeah. Uh, mm. Kudos for the show for not lingering on any discomfort in a comedic way around sexuality this episode. While barreling through a lot of subject matter. Yeah, yeah. This one definitely gave us a lot to ponder. Um interesting to see it's going to be interesting to see where where we go from here you know there was a lot of vulnerability mm. and a lot of um just getting to see the quieter sides of our characters um mm. getting getting to see fangs properly for the first time ever really remember when he accidentally murdered tall boy remember that happened just out of the blue and you kind of forgot about it <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you know, here we have Betty going after serial killers, and, and we do know that she committed murder, or she she helped cover up a murder, right, in the first, in our, our very first season? That was our first season, right? Yes. And, yes. Uh, like, I'm assuming that this is a world where the polygraph to get into the FBI has been removed. You know, The, the poly- full disclosure <laughs> component. Well, apparently polygraphs don't actually work, though. Well, they don't, but they are they are still frequently utilized, um, and they 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 can certainly show stress spikes. Right. They, they can't tell if you're lying, but they can they can show some physiological aspects that are hiding. And I, as I understand it, most law enforcement services have uh, some some expectation of disclosure of all the blackmailable things in your past. Right. Well, and I guess to be fair, like if it's a if you think of it from the point of a stress test. It really does make sense that Betty wouldn't really 
flinch over, yeah, I covered up that murder after being <laughs> going through everything else that she's gone through in her life. Uh, I feel like... Oh, yeah, that, that one. <laughs> that one wasn't even us. Yeah, yeah, that, that could just easily... That was that dude you already have in jail. I'll confess to that. That's fine. You've already... No double jeopardy there. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. For sure. You know, I had not... Yeah, I could see her just blowing past that at this point. I, who... who yeah. Who cares? You know, I do have to say, after the uh, after the the Doritos poll last time, um, that we had this oat milk and milk milk and almond milk, and then we had fruity munch, and I thought, oh goodness, they had something going on with Fruit Loops, and they backed away from it. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> nice not to see those those uh, those plugs going on. <laughs> I generally enjoy their fake real things more than their real real things. They're usually a little clever with their fake real things. Ah, yeah. Whatever they are. Just a little clever. If only in the cheesy Junior Archie way. Um, Fangs Fogarty stood out for me as a character in that episode. Not because he was in focus or a prospective character in any real way, but just for the fact that I could never have predicted this is where the character Fangs Fogarty would be, you know, improving some scenes, if you will. 20 years ago, reading Little Archie. This is not what I would have foreseen for a Fangs Fogarty TV. Very, very true. Um, but, you know, Riverdale has taken us in places that we, we wouldn't have expected for many of our characters, right? Um, yeah. This, it's not the first... It's it's he's not the first character to to for them to really I mean Minerva's a doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess I mean Evelyn could have been in a cult in Little Archie, but, but I mean it's Hal not quite, Cooper was a serial yeah. killer. That is yeah, not, not that. the version of Hal Cooper that I had that you know growing I up. I would believe the Blossom Parents as serial killers in the comics. I would accept that they did a few murders. But that's just rich people. Yeah, yeah. No, I could have even seen something similar. I mean, they had that, they always had that rivalry between Hiram and Archie. So, you know, you could have seen, oh, yeah. you could have seen that coming. You know, one of the things I was thinking that I did miss, really, from, um, that we missed while they were growing up, that I would have liked to have seen in the, uh, you know, before the time, before the time jump, was mm -hmm. that Archie was always clumsy and he wasn't good in school. I mean, we kind of mm -hmm. caught the good, not being good in school thing, but for those kids that that kids and teens that are awkward and clumsy, um, mm -hmm. to know that to be able to see that, I guess, in a character in a, in such a, a prominent protagonist, it would have been nice to uh, it would have been nice to see that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you remember those those parts of. Uh, the Archie oh, comics, certainly. but yeah. He was not a beefcake in the comics. And that was, I think, one of the one of the um, dark gritty reboot twists they kind of committed to in season one was Beefcake Archie. And it, I don't think it is one that has served their connection to the source material all that well, necessarily. Um, we get an Archie who is real dumb sometimes, and that feels right. But... Um, yeah, this this Archie is very much the fittest man in school, captain of the football team. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't you're right, that 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 doesn't quite resonate for me. 
Yeah, there's definitely some difference uh, between our characters. And, you know, I was thinking, um, so back to this whole, uh, our, what are Mothmen and what is going on here? <laughs> I actually yes. was thinking back. So one of my very first memories is of Archie Comics. And it's not, it's not actually of the Archie Comics specifically. But um, growing up, you know, I have two, bro- two younger brothers and I have many older cousins. And my older cousins had, um, they had some Archie Comics and I wanted these Archie Comics. And without the cash that a five-year-old does not carry, uh, I, I had to use my bartering skills to trade the things that I had for these Archie comics. And, you know, to, to, to spare myself a loss, I definitely traded my brother's Ninja Turtles for Archie comics. Not my Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Not mine. Um, but definitely my brother Aubrey's. And, you know, <laughs> it is what there. it is. He, you can read the comics. Yeah. You, you can read them too. You, exactly. And he, I'm sure he did eventually. But I do remember that there was there was an alien story in my very first Archie comics. Um, huh. So I, you know, this is not completely outside the realm of possible. And there also mm-hmm. used to be, in Archie Comics, there was... Um, there was an alien that would come and visit regularly, this little green alien. Yeah, the, the great gazoo type guy. Yeah, and then there was also an elf, uh, Jingles, that would come and visit mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. Christmas. And so... Oh, it, we have an iteration of Jingle Jangle. <laughs> we do, we do. But, you know, we, we do, like, it's not outside, it's not completely outside mm-hmm. of, of what they would have covered, uh, even in yes. the originals, so... This is true, and I, 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 um, it pinged for me this episode that we might be seeing some, some, some drawing together of Betty and Jughead's plot lines once again, which is something I would be very intrigued, um, to see. It's been a very recurrent pattern in previous seasons to see their, their plots really drive together, drive into each other, um, the Polly's description of where she is, the metal, like on a spaceship, that one little line from uh, Alice um, made me think that maybe we're, we're pointed in the same direction. Yeah, yeah, that could be. I mean, you know, I certainly, I certainly don't think, like if we are on a, like she said, on a spaceship and we are driving in that direction, I certainly don't mm-hmm. anticipate that she's on a spaceship and then escaped to a... Uh, a telephone booth in... Yes. <laughs> Rather that we have sex traffickers stealing women in rubber suits or some weird thing like that. Yeah, or women and men. I mean, we don't we don't know. Like, we, we have this... Um, I can't remember the character's name, but, uh, you know, we just went out and visited him on his... Mm. On, on his... Uh, well, out in the boonies at his little shack, yes. right? Um, so the Appalachian set. Yeah, so maybe we are, um, maybe we're seeing something more going on here. Uh, quite curious mm. then that these men aren't going missing. Um, they're mm. they're dying of cancer, but yet we have all these right. women appearing in a uh, in a swamp. Um, so I don't know. Do we have misogynist mm. aliens or? Um, yeah, it's really. You're right. There, there, there is some cross. Potential cross-pollination there. I'm betting they're going to rubber mask it, but I'm open to something more. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, so far, nothing spiritual has worked out no. for them, right? Like, uh, our, yeah. our, so far, all our mythology has had very human roots. Uh-huh. Do we have any suspects of, like, who could be... Is this a Hiram thing? <laughs> Goodness, like, it seems a little yeah. bit far-fetched uh, for that. Um, I don't feel like we have enough pieces to start making a real a real guess or shape yet. We're still kind of taking in which genres are going to be on display throughout the season, I think. I feel like we're still stepping into the mess. That's very fair. Yeah, we still have quite a few episodes to go. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see how that all turns out and excited to tune in again next week. Um, More Riverdale. It is a good time of year as pandemics go. It really is. Nice to have something to look forward to on the reg. Nice to have something to remember that a week has occurred. That too, yeah. (laughs) It's just like, oh, a, a marker in time. Wonderful. Well, gang, uh, I guess we'll wrap that up here for today. Um, Channing, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully in the future, if I uh, misplace my co-host over in um, uh, live-in week-long gigs, I would love to bring you on again. Well, thank you again for having me. It was a pleasure to be here with you. All right, gang, talk to you next week.